This is the Pause and Reflect podcast with Haley, Sean, and Scout. What's on your mind today, Haley? Well, first of all, how cute this puppy is as she is curled up with us on the bed. Yeah, I should have said, what's on your legs today, Haley? Yep, a scout. A very sleepy scout. But also, I thought that we could talk a little bit about ego and how ego shows up in our dog ownership and our dog training. This has been a big topic for me for lots of years now. Yeah. How do you feel like it's changed over time? I feel like I'm less ego-driven today than I've ever been. Um, In a negative sense, ego can mean lots of different things, and I think that it's okay to want to feel proud and to want to make yourself proud and even to want to make the people around you who care about you for the right reasons proud. But I definitely fell into a sort of trap of having a lot of bad ego earlier in my journey with Scout, and that caused me to make some decisions that I'm not too proud of looking back, and I feel very, very differently about that now. I feel like I've been less ego-driven than ever before, maybe, especially in the last several months. What do you think started you having an ego about dog training, and when did that start? Was that before you got Scout, or after? I think it was not too long after my family got their husky snort. She was the first dog who I had had, you know, like real experiences trying to train, trying to learn about the dog training world. Our childhood dogs were lovely and I adored them, but they were very, very poorly behaved. And I didn't like, didn't even really know that training was a thing at all. Hello, Scout. Are you interfering with our podcast recording? You are indeed. Don't knock over the microphone. (laughs) Real life with Scout Finch. Anyway, yeah, I think it started not too long after I dove into the dog training world with Snort. I really wanted to feel like I was learning everything quickly. Like I was always good at school and I always felt like I was a quick learner. And I kind of wanted to believe that dog ownership and dog training was this thing that if I just put in the right amount of work, I could like learn the key concepts and then just boom, be awesome, you know, and it's not that straightforward. And then Mm -hmm. I had a lot of insecurity just in general. Like I had a lot of baseline insecurity about who I was as a human being. And I wanted I wanted dogs to be my thing. Like animals had always been one of my things, you know, and I felt like I could really lean into dogs being my thing and like be the, be the dog nerd, be the dog expert and like do a really good job. And so then when I adopted Scout, I had started to learn some knowledge, but I still had very limited hands-on experience. And there were a bunch of things that I didn't know or that I only knew parts of, right? And I wanted to feel like I could just do everything perfectly with this dog who I had just adopted. Like, here's a fresh start with this dog who's all my own. She's my first dog all on my own, and I need to knock it out of the park. Because if I don't knock it out of the park, then I'm a fraud for saying that I'm interested in dogs. Mm -hmm. That's How'd that go? That's so sad to reflect on. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very sad to remember how I felt at that time, just in general, like... You know, I was not in the best place before I started dating you, before I adopted Scout. There are there are a lot of things about past Haley that just make me feel sad to look back on. And then also, you know, logistically, it went horribly, right? Like, Scout ended up being quite fearful, and the shelter had told me that she was shy and nervous and all of these things. And I just sort of thought, like, I'm awesome, and I'll figure it out. And that sounds so bad to say. Like, it, it's not like I was... 
I don't, I don't know. I didn't actually think I was super hot shit, but I really wanted to be. I wanted to prove that I could do it. Some people had expressed doubt that I was ready to care for a dog. I was a 21-year-old in a downtown Madison apartment getting a cattle dog. It felt like there was a lot of pressure there to do well. Mm. And what was your idea of doing well then? A bunch of arbitrary standards that I had, you know, sort of taken on from external voices around me. So like Scout would be really, really polite in public and she would never do things that are commonly considered quote unquote bad. And she'd sort of be the opposite of my childhood dogs. And she'd be really well trained. She'd always listen to me and she'd always be obedient and those sorts of things like these arbitrary lists of what makes a good dog. And so the what was the point? The point was to show other people what you could do with your dog? Yeah, I mean, at its worst, the point was to feel good about myself. I think there was a real element of me feeling down on myself and insecure at a personal level and thinking that if I did a really great job at this thing, I could feel better about myself as a person. I think that there was also an element of, you know, sort of wanting to prove to these people in my life that I could do this thing. I wanted to prove that I was smart and that I could learn things quickly and execute on those things. And then, you know, at its best, it wasn't all horrible. I genuinely did want to set a good example for other animal lovers and other dog people around me. Like I had started to learn all of these things with Snort that I had just never considered growing up. And some of them were really pivotal, important concepts that I still believe in today, you know, like like being respectful to other people in public and actually trying to fulfill our dogs and understand where their behaviors come from and these things. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a healthier part of me that wanted to just like set a good example, like be a good ambassador for dogs and for dog owners. But I sort of let that get convoluted and mixed up with all of the other ego things and like had a very narrow view of that and it got really messy like that particular piece could have been a good motivation but most of the time it did not feel like a good motivation to me and definitely not to scout either Mm -hmm. how about now where's your ego at and what do you wish you were at in the past what do you feel like a better progression would have been? Ooh, such a good question. I really like where we are now. It's hard to figure out, you know, how I would have gotten here not starting where I started because that's the journey that I'm familiar with. And that made so much of this learning and reflection feel really salient for me. I think it would have been healthy for me to respect external opinions and, you know, try to learn about things that it would be good for my dog to know how to do, ways to live with her that would make sense in our society, but not internalize those things quite so deeply. I think an integral part of this that I was just lacking then was a stronger sense of my own identity and feeling like I could make my own decisions. It's taken Mm -hmm. me a really long time to have that confidence in a whole bunch of areas. And that showed up with Scout where like, there were just these external voices. And I was like, I have to be good enough for these external voices, even though I'm the one who lives with her, right? And like, she does affect other people out in public. There are absolutely standards that I think are good to aim for. But I internalized this stuff so deeply. Like I felt like 
she needed to be perfect. And then I would try to convince myself that she didn't. And I would journal and I would write things and I'd feel so good about the things that I had written and journaled, but it was so hard to actually internalize them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a funny age. Like when you're a teenager and into your twenties where you go from a world where there's a lot of right and wrong in school and ways to you know get good grades and get a sticker on your paper <laughs> and then things... I love getting stickers on my paper <laughs> things become a lot more open-ended and I mean different people react to that differently and there become a lot of different ways to you know choose your own adventure and choose ways that you can feel like you're doing a good job without you know yeah. where in the past there is usually you know you knew the formula and you knew the steps to take and then I was like oh good job you got to the end yeah and there was no formula and I think I put a ton of pressure into the dog thing I mean I have always loved animals I've always loved dogs right I felt so cool that I was learning more about the species that I loved and like trying to do a good job like I loved my childhood dogs but we did not treat them in a way that I'd be proud to treat a creature in my care today. But I also like, I, I just put so much weight on the dog bit of myself and that just made things really difficult and messy. Like I had just graduated college, but all of you, like all of my friends, everyone my age still had one year of college left. And I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. I called off an engagement. I made a bunch of questionable decisions, had a bunch of really messy feelings. And I think that in that time, when I was still learning about some of the dog training things with Snort, and then, you know, making the decision to adopt Scout and have my first dog all on my own, like, completely on my own, I sort of threw all of my, like, feel-good-about-myself eggs in the one basket of this particular dog's behavior. Mm. Yeah. If you had to go back, would you identify so strongly with an animal lover and... uh dog savant would that be something you'd still try to be known as i mean savant has never been a word to describe uh, me in any context <laughs> uh y yes i i still really like the identity of animal lover of dog person of dog lover training nerd whatever you want to call it i think that those are things i still identify deeply with and you know, in themselves are not necessarily harmful. I think it was more so the fact that I was really latching onto them at the expense of building a more robust identity. So like I, I wouldn't hesitate to go back and still identify as this animal person, as this, as this dog nerd. I love being a dog nerd. Like I wear my dog nerd sweatshirt all of the time. I just think, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd like to see past Haley focus on building up other parts of her identity that didn't depend on external factors and like focusing more on core values and honestly just being healthier like that sounds like such a broad wishy-washy thing but I, ju mm -hmm. I just had so many unhealthy emotional and thought patterns then and that's why latching onto those identities was a problem mm -hmm. so what what would you pick out then as like the ego bit that you would take away. Like that I wouldn't want yeah. to do if I went back. Um, there were times where this desire to sort of 
you know, like bolster my ego. And and admittedly, I wanted to feel superior sometimes, right? Like I wanted to feel like I was working so hard and it was paying off. And therefore I'm better than these other people because I was insecure. And one of the main ways that I made myself feel better was comparison to others, which is such a cliche. That's painful to even say out loud, but it's definitely how I felt at different points. I don't even know if I realized how much I felt it until more recently when I've gotten out of that. I, you know, I say more recently, I mean like the last few years. Um, so yeah, definitely being more intentional from the get-go about what things I cared about and why I cared about them. And it's okay if one of the reasons I care about them is because an external opinion that I trust also cares, right? Like, I don't live in a vacuum. My choices affect other people. I have role models for a reason. All of that's great. But I got so confused and conflicted, you know, like hearing a message from someone on the internet who had a dog who was well-trained, who I admired. And they said, you know, like your dog has to walk in a heel. And Mm. so I internalized that. And I was like, my dog is not good unless my dog walks in a heel. And obviously that's taking it way too far. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I would have really tried to think more critically from the get-go and think more honestly. Like I think that critical thinking has never been a big struggle for me. I've been able to like sort of identify some of these things along the way, but it was really hard to cross the chasm between understanding logically and in my head that I could make my own decisions and then like feeling that in my heart and not feeling bad like I'd be so embarrassed if Scout reacted to a dog when we were around other people I didn't want them to see that I didn't want them to think that I was failing I'd be so embarrassed if she you know like jumped up to sniff something or had a little bit of leash tension or all of these things it was so tied up in how I how I felt about myself and how I was afraid other people were perceiving Mm me it made me be really unfair to her at different points like I just set I set some arbitrary standards and like she's such a good sport she's been so forgiving and obviously she's happy but I don't know I I put so much arbitrary pressure on her that like wasn't coming from a place of thinking it would actually make our life better it was just coming from like you need to do this thing in front of this person so that they think I'm good enough and that is really royally horrible to impose on a living creature who loves you Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me think of how we should react to others now to help them not you know feel those things where they feel like they need to prove themselves in front of people that their dog needs to you know check the boxes or not you know pull on the leash or react to other dogs how do you think about that when you see other people with their dogs or especially people you know in front of you you know where there's a situation where you think they might be getting uncomfortable because you know they think their dog's misbehaving and they're sort of embarrassed about it depends a lot on the relationship and the situation if i feel like i know them pretty well sometimes i will try to gently push them in the direction of thinking about why these things matter and like asking some of the questions that I've thought about so much over the years that have helped. Like, you know, does it really bother you when he does that? How do you think he's feeling when he does that? Like, it's hard. So it's often unwieldy to just come out in the moment and say these things. But I, I try to sort of 
I don't know, sort of edge at thinking about these things. Like, why do you think that behavior is so bad? Like, who told you that? Like, where is that information coming from? Why have you internalized that? I desperately needed to ask myself those questions and then actually sit with the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I try to do like some some deflecting and diffusing and like encouraging, like, oh, I think it's so funny when your dog does this. Like, this is so cute. Or like, I love when I see dogs quote unquote misbehaving because they're feeling really good and having positive emotions. Part of the reason I love that so much is because Scout has not been a dog like that. Scout's had a lot of negative emotions and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so like sometimes if someone's dog is doing something goofy and like they, you know, I can tell that they're a bit uncomfortable about it. They think that maybe it's not okay. I'll try to like acknowledge how great they're feeling like look how confident she is it's so awesome that she's so excited about sniffing this unfamiliar thing like try to help give a perspective that look at these positive emotions like your dog is happy no one's getting hurt I don't know I get anxious about this because I am the dog nerd right like I am the dog person even Mm -hmm. like amongst our extended relatives and all of these things and so sometimes I worry that people think I'm judging them because maybe they know that I have certain standards with Scout mm-hmm. and that can get in my head because I never want to be that person. I like to think that I'm welcoming enough and open enough to talking about things, especially, you know, as time has gone on and I've dealt with my own ego. And I don't know, like I, I sometimes I just come out and I try to say that like, I don't care what your dog does as long as no one's getting hurt and you're happy with it. Like if you're living a good life, like sometimes a dog that we meet will like jump up on us and their owner will say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that they jump. And I'll just be like, I don't care. Like, I'm happy that your dog is excited. That's great. Like if you don't care that they jump, I don't care that they jump. Mm -hmm. Trying to emphasize that, I guess. I feel like I'm I'm tangenting a little on this question. I'll pass it back to you yeah. to help bring me in. <laughs> I think it's a tough. The more you explain different situations, it definitely feels like a tough thing to hold the values of what it means to be a good dog owner. And yeah, also not be the person you were so scared of when you were, you know, first adopted scout and, you know, basically the person who is in somebody else's head where they're thinking, uh oh, that person's going to think poorly of me because they, you know, there are some definitely some standards we need to have and For sure. That's the other thing. Like not all of these standards are arbitrary and horrible. Like mm-hmm. there are there are things that we need to be doing with our dogs so that we're functioning respectfully in society and coexisting in, in a healthy way, right? Yeah. And it's tough, you know, even if we don't care about a dog jumping on us you know, sometimes you see someone and it's like, well, if they, if we did care, it doesn't seem like you could really stop it. So, you know, that easily moves into sort of gray area. Definitely gray area and depends so much on context, right? Like in my anecdotal experiences, most of the time when I'm directly interacting with someone else's dog, it's like a friend and we're at that friend's home or like at another location where the intent Mm -hmm. was to meet up and interact and so it's like i don't know i don't care what your dog does within your own home as long as the people who live with your dog in that home day in and day out are happy and you're not like terrorizing the mailman day in and day out 
you know, but I have much stronger feelings if we're like at a restaurant patio and there's a dog on a 10 foot leash jumping on the waiters, carrying things or like jumping on the woman who's afraid of dogs and clearly trying to duck out of the way. Like those are two very different situations to me. Like one of those is a situation where you're affecting other people in a shared public place. And I think we do have a responsibility to other people we share those places with and to our dogs to try to be respectful. The other one of those is like you're on your home turf living your life with your dog. And my general assumption is that someone you invite into this environment with you, like knows you Mm -hmm. and probably knows your dog. And, you know, worst case, there are different management things that you can do. But yeah, I don't know. That was part of why it was messy for me too with the ego stuff, because some of the standards that I had were really, really important to me, not out of ego, but out of like core values of not wanting, like, I don't want to make someone uncomfortable. I don't want to make someone feel unsafe. I don't want Mm -hmm. to ruin someone's experience in a public location. It's like some of those standards have been really important for me. The ego has more so been a problem when I've, when I've internalized it in very arbitrary senses and like you know been on a walk with scout where there aren't even people around and she has the tiniest bit of leash tension and i'm in tears because i think i'm a bad dog owner and i've been bad at training her leash manners because she's pulling a little bit Mm -hmm. like caring about that is so unproductive and was linked to so many unhealthy emotions compared to caring that she doesn't like cause a real ruckus in a shared public spot. Yeah. What's helped you separate those things out now more and more? Coming to think of core values. I'm a bit of a broken record about this and it's definitely not as straightforward as I'd like to think it is, but trying to think about why I feel like I care about something. And if that lines up with these overarching things that I care about or not. And trying to start from that foundation I guess so like you know one of my core values is I don't know exactly what you want to call it like harmony empathy like trying to be respectful and understanding to other people and so how scout acts in public definitely interacts with that value right like I want to understand if someone is uncomfortable around dogs I'm not going to let my dog run up to you if if you're not giving me permission and if my dog is existing in a public space that is not a dog-centric public space, so, you know, like, it's not a pet store, it's not a dog park, it's, like, a public space where dogs are welcome, like a brewery or a mm. restaurant or a coffee shop, it's important to me that my dog is not the focus of everyone's experience in that space and that, you know, we're all just, like, kind of coexisting. Like, like that's one of my values. Versus things where I just want to be perceived a certain way. So I guess one of the questions that I've kept coming back to is like, is this thing that Scout's doing actually causing harm to the environment, to the people around us, to something that I really, really value? Or is it just making me feel insecure because somewhere along the line, I've been inundated with a message that she shouldn't do this thing and asking like, like, what is the reason she shouldn't do this thing can I give you a reason that actually affects things I truly care about or is the reason just like because I feel like she shouldn't and I feel like I'm bad if she does Mm. (laughs) 
And then I think one of the other things that I've had to think about is Scout's experience and if these things matter for her. So, like, there are things where Scout needs a lot of clarity from me, and I do need to hold myself to a certain standard and, you know, hold her to a certain standard so that she understands what I'm asking. Like, think about how easy it is to confuse this dog and how stressed out she gets when she's confused and she doesn't know what we want. So there are situations where I have had to set very clear expectations and they have helped her feel better about the world around her. So like she knows what heel means and she knows what middle means. And when I ask her those things, she doesn't cower in confusion because she knows what I want. It's not always that it matters 100% in the given situation, like if she goes into middle perfectly. And we have some flexibility depending on what's going on, right? I try to show her empathy if, if something is really distracting, if... The ground is super, super cold, like it's been the last two days, and like not asking her for a bunch of formal positions that put her butt or her belly directly in the cold snow, yada, yada. Um, but like that's a consideration too. So I guess I've just had to put all of these things in perspective of like, I'm feeling pressure, right? Like, let's say I'm just in a situation, I'm feeling pressure. I'm worried that I'm not good enough. I'm worried that Scout isn't good enough. I need to sit and ask myself, why I feel that way. Is it because her behavior is actually negatively affecting someone else in this environment? Yes or no? And, you know, sometimes that's a to, that's an it depends answer. Sometimes it's a to a certain degree answer. And then I need to get really nitty gritty with my values. And, and sometimes values contradict each other a little bit. And you sort of have to weigh that out. And then the question of like, is what Scout is doing or experiencing affecting her in a negative way? And balancing all of that out. And if those answers are no, like no one's getting hurt, like Scout's not super confused, she's not feeling a bunch of negative emotions, mm -hmm. she's not she's not aroused in a problematic way, no one else is getting hurt, it's fine, then I need to sit and ask myself, like, do I really care about this thing? Or am I just falling prey to, you know, dozens of sort of scary voices and like this insecurity that I've felt that's making me feel like she has to be perfect all the time <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, i guess sort of the other side of that then too is you can think about the things that make you feel good and get excited about not for the ego reason but just for a true core you know just genuine reason yeah and those are the best times. Like, sometimes I want to work on something with Scout just because I think it's fun and we're having a good time and, like, I want to polish something up. And that's totally cool. That's just such a different experience for both of us, I think, than when I've gotten really preoccupied with, like, your entrance into heel has to be a perfect pivot because I want people on the internet to think I know what I'm doing. And then, like, if I'm getting frustrated with her in a training session working mm -hmm. on that when she already has a perfectly functional heel for our day-to-day -day life like I've really got to sit down and ask myself why I'm losing my temper with her why I'm in tears why these things are happening because the the underlying stuff going on there is not good for either of us and that's a lot different than being like I want to teach you this thing because it's really fun and we're having a good time doing it mm -hmm. yeah that's also a thing that people say a lot you know do it for you etc. But I think it takes a little while to build that up as a real motivation Definitely. for things because it takes it takes quite a bit of confidence and sort of, you know, self-assurance to be able to look at your life that way. 
whereas it's a lot easier <clears throat> to think of the shallower things that people will react to. You know, but after a while, you sort of come to realize that chasing the ego things, like A, doesn't make you happy, but also B, other people like mostly don't care a lot of the time. And that can, you know, it's just like you're looking around and everyone's like, okay, we didn't actually care that you can, your dog can do a perfect heel. Like, I'm not <laughs> impressed. <laughs> or they care for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. Like, if someone really cares that much and is going to write me off if Scout can't do X, Y, or Z perfectly polished thing. Like, I don't think I really want them as a voice in my life anyway. That That's very weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it becomes a, a different sort of external conversation when you're looking at your life and looking for the things that you really enjoy where, you know, it takes other mature people to not just say, oh, I see you can do this one trick with your dog, but to say, oh, I, I see that you know how to live well with your dog and have fun with your dog. Like, that's definitely, it's a more complex sort of reward and validation process. Yeah. Thanks for helping me with that so much <laughs> over the years. It is true. The, the greatest antidote to my ego issues in dog training has been feeling genuinely happy with the life that I live with Scout. <laughs> Like, I feel so great about the life that we have right now. I have been feeling great about it for, for quite a while now, and that's really exciting to say. And it's genuinely hard for me to muster up the energy to care about some of these arbitrary things that past me was so ridiculously obsessed over. Because I'm actually happy. I'm actually content. I feel like she's fulfilled and we have a bunch of harmony, and we have the skills we need to navigate different situations, and so I can look anyone straight in the face, and I can say, I'm happy with the decisions I'm making with my dog. I know her. I trust myself. And like, <laughs> I don't know. that. I kind of can't believe that I can say that so honestly, because I've wanted to feel that way for such a long time. And it's mm -hmm. probably been, like, in the, the recent half of my life with Scout that I've actually felt that way, right? Like, it's easier to advocate for her because I'm way less overthinky about what someone might think about me if they might judge me if I ask them not to interact with her in a certain way. Or, you know, I know that she is so fulfilled on the average that I have no concerns about putting her in the van by herself while we enjoy some family time so that I don't have to worry about her and I don't feel any like you know I'm not concerned that someone at the family gathering is thinking in the back of their mind like well Haley hasn't trained her dog well enough because if she trained her dog well enough her dog could be in here in, at this gathering with all of us like like I used to think those things I used to feel like Scout had to do everything with me like I had to prove that we could do the things. I, mm -hmm. I had to prove that she was good enough and that I was good enough. And I just feel so little of that nowadays. Like, she's awesome. And I know she's awesome. And you know she's awesome. And we're the two most important people to make that judgment. And she never hurts anybody. And she's never, you know, like, unbearably rude or disrespectful in public. And so... I just don't care. Gosh, that's so exciting. Like, I just, I don't, I just don't care. I don't care what someone on the street thinks about 
if she slightly pulls towards a smell or like puts her front paws up on a tree to look at a squirrel. Like I just, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I know what's going on. I'm confident about the situation. And I guess it helps too. Like I, sh- I should admit that it helps that we have done a lot of those things. We have successfully done almost all of the things that past very ego driven me wanted to be able to do. And so there is an element of like, okay, I know that we can do this if we need to. Like I, I sort of have proven to myself a little bit like that we can do the thing. But mm-hmm. if we don't really enjoy the thing, then we don't need to do the thing regularly. So maybe there is still a little bit of ego that I could unpack there. Like it's it's easier to let go of some of these expectations once we met them or at least like met them to a certain degree. It's easier to be like, yeah, like we can do that, but we don't get a ton of joy out of it. So we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, after you've done enough things, you, or at least for me, they just I sort of realize it's just sort of not that exciting. <laughs> to do the next one i don't feel that way i still think it's so exciting well i mean when you're sort of motivated for not really the right reasons mm, yeah yeah yeah. i understand what you mean when it's just sort of like a little game you, you know you got to jump through the hoop and then you're back and okay what's the next game and it just goes on forever but yeah, yeah it definitely it's not a transition where you go from you know being too ego driven or motivated with your dog for the wrong reasons to you know loving your life for what it is like that definitely takes a journey of proving to yourself that you can do different things yeah and it doesn't have to be all the things but it has to be some level of confidence you know with yourself and then yeah some amount of just feeling good together. I think there's something about walking the steps of the journey there that, you know, just saying to somebody, oh, you just need to not listen to these other people and just enjoy having your dog is just like a very non-reflective thing. Yeah, that's a really shallow way to go about it. Yeah, and it just isn't, I don't think it's real for anybody. I mean, no. some people's personalities, they can go there where they're just like head in the clouds, la di da di da I'm the best, but... But that's not really great either, right? Like, that well, no. sort of comes back to the fact that some of these standards do exist for a reason, and like, having role models and opinions you respect is not a bad thing. It's just, you know, I had to learn that I was a worthwhile human being, even if my dog still had some struggles. There's there's a difference between I have value and my dog has value, even if we aren't perfect, versus like completely throwing our hands up and saying, our life is chaos and we hate it, but screw the haters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, very different things. I guess the goal would be to help other people figure out how to make that transition with less pain less like uh going back to square one i wish i knew like i wish i knew what i could have told myself three years ago to just like fully get it through my head but i have no idea so many different lived experiences and tearful conversations and you know work outside of just who i am as a dog owner went into it like i feel really quite great today but 
my goodness, it was not a straight line trajectory, and I have no idea how to sum that up in any super helpful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I, I did. I bet I could be, like, really influential and maybe rich if I did. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I think usually what works is to inspire people to take, you know, the steps to go do that and to explain or to try to not to explain how to get to the end state, but to sort of explain the process. I feel like I cannot say enough about trying to identify some core values and then put things in perspective of those. If I did have to sum it up in a sentence, I think I'd say that that's been the pivotal (laughs) thing for me. But like that in itself is a really messy, nuanced process, right? It's not like you just wake up one day and you're like, this is what I value. And now I will perfectly enact these values every day that I live. Like that is not how it works. Yeah. Would be nice though, if it was how it worked. Well, I don't know. Would it? Definitely. It would sure feel simpler, but maybe the growth would feel (laughs) less meaningful to me if it had been easier. I don't know. Like, maybe one of the reasons that it feels so ridiculously, incredibly, indescribably cool to feel like someone could challenge me right now. Like, someone could come up to me and say that I'm not doing a good enough job with my dog, and I could just totally take it and stand up to them and be like, we're doing great. I don't care about your opinion. Like, holy hell, that's so exciting to say, probably in part because it's been such a hard one feeling mm-hmm. yeah it's a uh, definitely a skill and hopefully you're finding that it applies to other areas of your life too outside of dog stuff i think it's sort of like a, a generalizable skill of being able to think of your values and then stay focused on those and sort of evaluate different situations you know sort of more simply like you said yeah it really does apply to so many things i owe so much of my growth just as a person to this dog who was curled up so incredibly sweetly with her little tail over her little nose Mm -hmm. she's so cute that's your favorite yeah Everything she does is my favorite, pretty much. They're all favorites? What are you, four? (laughs) Yeah, small tangent to end the podcast. When I was in Thailand, I took a bunch of photos, right? I was interning at an elephant sanctuary, Mm. and I very rarely had phone service, but I always had my phone camera, and I was just, like, documenting everything. And our friends Sophie and Cole from college in Wisconsin came to visit me there, and they they were talking to one of the friends that I'd made at the sanctuary and I was like scrolling through some photos so that I could show them what we'd been up to. And my friend at the sanctuary looked at my phone screen and she's like, why is almost every photo marked as a favorite? (laughs) And Sophie just said, have you met Haley? (laughs) And I love that story. I felt awesome. I'm perfectly happy to be known as that person who has a million favorites. So yes. There you go. It's all the best. (laughs) Anything else you want to say about ego? Nope. You got no quippy lines. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not even sure there are any songs about it. Huh. 
Yeah, I'll have to think on that. If I come up with a good one, I'll put it in the podcast mm-hmm. links. But <laughs> Then we can make a parody of it for Scout. Yep. Parodies all the time. Perfect. Awesome.